Everybody doing good today? Cool. Listen, I wanted to do a little housekeeping before I start. Uh, If you're visiting here with us, we have a gift for you. And all we do is take your information and sign you up for a credit card. So if you you guys, no, just kidding. Uh, We take your information and we promise me we won't knock on your door and say, hey, y'all. I don't care if you do have your moo-moo on, we're here to visit. We won't do that. I promise we won't do that. Um, But we do have a gift for you, and I'm just here to say, you know, some people give you pens and a notebook, and we have a pen and notebook. This is the best stinking popcorn I've ever had in my life, all right? And we get it from Popped. We don't go, like, to Walmart or Sam's. We go to Popped, and this is caramel sea salt. So all the people that are already members, you don't get any, all right? Uh, it was funny. We had a, a few people that came and they they you know joined us and stuff, and yet they continued to go by and get the popcorn. I'm like, hey, bro, look, man, you're, you're busting the budget. So I do want to let you guys know if you want popcorn, stop by and uh, and grab that. I also want to tell you something else too um, that uh, we'd like to welcome you here. I'm so glad you guys are here. And also, I want to tell you just a, a couple of things. We don't take up an offering here, uh, and we don't say this a lot, but we don't take up an offering here. What we do is, is we really just trust God to, to provide uh, for us, and our avenue for that is not to necessarily pass the plate. A couple of reasons we don't do that is, one is, I don't want to guilt anyone into giving, okay? I don't. I want people to be obedient to what God has called them to do. But the second thing is this, is that 70% of our people give online. And so uh, we don't want you to sit there and look like the poor schmuck that doesn't give to the church, even though you've already given online, right? So we have two boxes in the back here, and we have one out in the foyer area for giving. Just want to let you guys know that. So well, what I usually try to do, I hadn't done this in a while, but I do try to do this. I want to invite you right now just to take off the mask that you wore in here. All right. I want you to take off the mask that you wore in here. You know the mask I'm talking about, the one that says, hey, everything in my life's going great, and I'm so happy, even though I just got in a fight with my husband on the way here. You know what I mean? Or, or you had an argument on the way here, or your kid wouldn't get ready and get up, all those kind of things. Go ahead and take off that mask, and I want to invite you to become genuine and become real with, with who you are and real with who God is in your life. Now, we've been going through a series, and the series uh, is called The Me I Want to Be. The me I want to be. And what does that mean? Let me tell you what that means. What that means is this. It means that you are on a journey. And the journey that you are on is this. To find out who it was that God had in mind when he created you. To find out who it is that God had in mind when he created you. Who is it? That God, when, when God was thinking you up and was fashioning you and, and, was, and was working on your personality and was working on your gifts and your talents, who is it that he had in mind when he was creating you? A lot of us never even think about those things. A lot of us, what we do is, is we just kind of allow life to come at us, but that's not how Christ was. And if we're going to be followers of Christ, if we are going to do with Christ what Christ did, if we're going to walk in the same path that he, he walks in, what, what we want to do is, is we want to make sure that we are uh, allowing ourselves to become who it was that God had in mind when he created us. And so I want to go over a few things we've talked about. If you've missed these sermons, you can catch up to them on realchurchcalwita.com or you can subscribe to our podcast. 
the first thing we did is we recognized that there are, there are really false versions of who we are. These false versions are things like, I, I, my mom always thought I should be this, and so I'm going to be that, okay? Or my dad, he, he thought I should do that, and so I'm going to do that. Um, I gave the example in that one where my dad told me that, uh, that, that pastors don't make any money and you couldn't uh, provide for a family. Uh, and so I did not do that until I was almost 35. <laughs> so I kind of pushed that off because I believe what my dad said. Um, but I knew that God had more things in store for me. So who is the counterfeit version? Does God have our best interest at heart is another thing that we've looked at. How we begin our journey by embracing Holy Spirit was another thing that we, that we looked at. We looked at the fact that most of us have what I call a God-shaped hole. And that God-shaped hole is, is where there, whenever God created us, he left just a little piece of himself out so that we have to pursue where he is and who he is. And, and really, it fulfills who we are. We talked about how you'll never get fulfillment out of, out of alcohol or drugs or, 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 honestly, other relationships and people. You'll never get full fulfillment, not the full fulfillment that you want out of those things that no person is going to be able to put only what only God can do, and that's that God-shaped hole. And last week, I talked about how if you're ever going to grow, if you're ever going to see yourself grow in Christ, then you are going to have to be intentional about that. You have to be intentional. A lot of people think that spiritual growth just kind of happens, and as long as you come to church and hang out and listen to the sermon, then it's just going to happen, and that's a lie. That's a lie. Spiritual growth is just like any other growth. It is intentional, and it has to be fed, okay? It has to be fed. You would never, you and I would never consider thinking that a baby could grow without getting food. That's ludicrous. We call that child abuse is what we call that. We call that child abuse, and you and I both know that it takes food for a baby to grow, and it takes spiritual food for you to grow. And you have to be intentional about that growth. Today, I want to talk to you about the next area, and it's deepening your relationships. I want to talk to you about deepening our relationships. I was sitting in Chick-fil-A the other day. It was last Tuesday. I was sitting in Chick-fil-A, and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A and hang out and do a little work. And so I did. I went to Chick-fil-A and I walked in and there were 12 men sitting at the booth, sitting beside the booth that I usually sit in. All right. So I was like, well, I got my headphones and so I can put my headphones in and I can play background noise or music and I won't hear these old men talking. Right. But there were 12 men all sitting in a row. They had put all the tables together and they were sitting in a row. And these were men that you could just kind of tell were successful, all right? They were older men. They were all retired, but you could tell they were kind of successful. Some of them had hats on from probably the company that they used to work for. Some, I think one or two of them even had jackets from a logo from a company they used to work for. You could tell because the jacket was from the 80s, I'm just being honest. But it was, you know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, I, I've got clothes in here that are older than my kid. But, but uh, um, seriously, th- th- that's what, what it was. They were just all in a line. And so I walked in and I sat there and I ordered, of course, uh, Jesus chicken, which was always the best. Uh, I got some, some Jesus chicken minis, which I don't know why they don't make those year round and all the time, 24-7. You can't get them except Sundays, of course. But but I, I wish they would, but they don't. And I got Jesus chicken uh, minis uh, and, and a drink, and I sat there, and I began to listen to them. 
and they were talking back and forth and bantering back and forth and and they were talking about spiritual things and they were talking about uh, Bernie Sanders and Trump and they were talking about all kinds of various topics. Uh, and, and I thought, well, okay, well, you know, I'll give these guys 30 minutes and they'll leave and then I can work on my sermon. And an hour and a half later, I was like, well, I better go somewhere else to work on my sermon. Um, I, I, I actually, they stayed there and they stayed there and they stayed there and I actually left. And I, I was thinking this, I was like, what in the world are these men doing here? What in the world are these men doing here? Why, why are they here? Why are they sitting at Chick-fil-A? Why are they doing this? And then I thought something to myself. Why the heck am I here? I've got an office, a nice office at home. Nice office. It's got a printer. It's even got like a 55-inch TV. I mean, why am I, why am I here? Why am I at Chick-fil-A working? And, you know, besides the obvious Jesus chicken, but why am I here? I've got an office up here at the church. Nice office. Yeah, Lynn and I share it. He probably was going to be there, but I can get over that. Why was I here? And I came to the point, I came to the understanding that the reason those older men were there and the reason I was there is because we all need to be connected to others. We do. We all need to be connected to others. And I started thinking about this topic. I've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks, but I started thinking about something that kind of blew my mind. Now, I've shared with you guys before, I love, I love the ID network. I do. I love murder. Like, I don't love murder, but I, please, if you're... Facebook. I don't love murder, Facebook. I, I, I love learning about how someone did this and they got caught and, and how the whole thing kind of, I love the whole thing. And so I started thinking about this though. And do you know, this is amazing. I don't know if you think about this. This is amazing. Do you know what the worst possible, the worst possible punishment aside from the death penalty from the chair Do you know what's the worst possible punishment you can do to the worst horrible criminal? Solitary confinement. Think about that for a second. You've got, you know, Billy Bob the murderer, and he's like, look, you can take my outside freedom. You know, you can take you can take my exercise time. You can leave me locked in to a to a cell for 23 and a half hours. You can serve me awful food. You can do all these things. But whatever you do, don't put me in solitary confinement by myself. Don't put me by myself where I'm not connected with other people, where I'm not talking to other people. Don't put me by myself away from everyone else. And that's a huge, that's a huge lesson for us. That's a huge lesson for you, and that's a huge lesson for me. Genesis says this in Genesis 2, 18. I think we should have it up there. You know, there's a, there's a story about this verse. Um, I heard it was, it was when God created Adam. Um, he went to Adam and said, listen, I don't think it's good for you to be alone. He said, I want to create for you a helper. And he said, Here, and he said Adam was like, gosh, what's the helper going to be like? And he said, well, let me tell you something. Um, you know, she's going to be awesome. She's going to always agree with you. She's going to literally cook every meal. 
She's going to cook every meal. She's going to, she's going to rub your feet when you get home from work. Literally, she's going to be at your beck and call 24-7. And Adam was like, what the heck's that going to cost me? He said, that's going to be an arm and a leg. And he said, well, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> this is what Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says. It says this. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper. And I love this part who is just right for him. I will make a helper who is just right for him. What did God see in us that oftentimes we can't see in ourselves? Here's what he saw. Even though we have maybe everything that we ever wanted, even though we may have the home we want, the, the, the car we want, even though we may be able to go hunt and fish and we have all the extra things, it is never good for man, for human beings, to be alone. It's never good for us to be alone. How do we deepen our relationships? Well, here's the first thing we do. You guys have to understand that we flourish. We flourish when we're connected to God and his people. We flourish when we're connected to God and his people. Hebrews says this in verse 10, verse 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25 says this. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says this. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And I love this. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Let us not, let us not, let us do this. Let us help people and let us motivate people to be better people. Let us push people to be better people. Let us encourage people to be better people. Let us be that kind of person. But here's the caveat. And let us not lose sight that we need to be together. All right. Let's not lose sight that we here as a church have to come together. Our natural tendency, you guys, is to pull back and withdraw when someone hurts you. I want you to hear that. Your natural tendency and my natural tendency is to when someone hurts you is to pull back and withdraw. Your natural tendency is to take, is to take a step back and isolate yourself from everyone. And can I tell you something? That's exactly 100 percent. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. You can't live in the state of withdrawn. You can't. You can't live in the state of withdrawn. Why is that? It's because your very DNA cries out for connectedness with other people. Your very DNA cries out for you to connect with other people. Colossians chapter 3 says this. Colossians says, hey, listen, when you get into an argument with someone, make allowance for other people's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you, all right? Why do we do that? Here's why we do that. Because the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And don't do it like this. I've heard Christian people say this. They said, well, the Lord forgive me, forgave me, so I got to forgive that worthless piece of poo. I don't think God wants you to do that with that heart. Are you with me? Have you truly forgiven someone if you're, if you're trying to, to still hold that bitterness and that anger? 
I've told you what bitterness does. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what, it, that's what that is. And so are you, do you really think? No, he's saying this. Make allowances for other people's faults because God made allowances for your faults. God made allowances for you. So make allowances for other people's faults. Here's the truth. When we don't move past those things that hurt us, when we recoil back, when we withdraw back, what we're doing is we're allowing the person that hurt us to hurt us over and over and over and over and over and over again. And can I tell you something? That person is not sitting around going, I think I'll hurt them today. They're not doing that. They've moved on. And what, what Christ is, is, is really wanting us to do, what God is calling us to do, because we love connectedness, because we need connectedness, is we have to fix that thing that is broken. And sometimes you can't fix that thing with broken with the other person. Sometimes you just have to forgive them and to move forward with your life. Y'all listen, when we, when we become disconnected, we run a strong, strong risk. And that risk is for ourselves to fall in to sin, to fall in to being hurt all the time, to fall in to really losing that which is in us. And so I want to show you an example of that. And I got an example today. Uh, It's of a light. And Lynn, if you'll kill the lights in here, I'd appreciate that. It's of a light. Now, this lamp worked before, and I hope it works now. But if you see that this is a light, and this could represent us. Here we are. We're being a light in a darkened world. That's who we are. We're being a light. We're being the light to other people in a darkened world. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we disconnect, you see, I want you to hear this. A lot of times the power, the power that we get to live a life that's fruitful, the power that we get to live a life that is something that is beneficial, the power that we get to live a life is this. It's given to us by God and by other people who push us forward and encourage us. But what oftentimes happens is we begin to withdraw and we begin to get further and further away. See, this lamp is only working because the power source is over here in this wall. And someone long ago ran cables that's run to a power source that's feeding in here. And this power source is being given to us. But what happens oftentimes is we, we decide to disconnect. And so we will walk and we'll walk further and further and further away. We'll continue to walk and walk further away until finally we stand here and we have no more of a power source. Our power source is disconnected. And where are we? Can I tell you where we are? We're in the dark. And oftentimes, a lot of us are in dark places. Lynn, you can turn the lights up. Thank you. A lot of us get in dark places because we've been disconnected. We've been disconnected from the very power source that gives us the light that is found in our lives. And that is through God, and God uses it for other people. He uses it through other people oftentimes. Here's what 1 John 1.7 says. 1 John 1.7 says this, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have what? We have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. There is a connection between fellowship 
and cleansing of all sin. There is a connection. What is the connection? I'm glad you asked. Here's the connection. The connection is, is that we, we will oftentimes be, have a close friend of ours and they will have the boldness to come up to us and say, listen, brother, I love you. I believe in you, but this area of your life is in error or you need to do this or do that to get your life aligned with what the scripture says. And if you're a smart person and you trust that person and you know that person loves you, you won't get angry when they say that. You won't recoil when they say that. You will embrace that and begin to do the things, the steps that it takes to allow Christ, to allow Christ to literally take over and take away those sin from you. Here's the truth, you guys. We all need life-giving relationships. We all need life-giving relationships. Romans chapter 12. I know I'm Bible drilling you today, but that's all right. Romans chapter 12 says this. Chapter 12, starting in, uh, starting in verse 9. It says this. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring others. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in loving other people. The Barry version of that says, don't act like you love people, but really not do anything and, and act like you can't stand them. Don't do that. Be genuine. Be genuine with that. Why is that? Well, we have to, we have to, we have a deep need for life-giving relationships. And here's the key. I want you to hear this. Life-giving relationships. Life-giving relationships. I'm going to say it one more time. Life-giving relationships. Not life-sucking relationships. Are you with me? You guys ever had been around those people that whenever they walk around, they sound like a Hoover vacuum going, and you can just tell, and you're just waiting them to connect with you, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like going to the dentist. Uh, you know, Shelly Shelley does this. Going to the dentist and you've, you're, you're set back there and Shelly's talking to you like she probably always does when you got something stuck in your mouth and, and she's, trying to, she's trying to clean your teeth and everything and all of a sudden you hear and it's stuck out all the, I'll call it juice, I don't know what it is, all right, but it just gets it all out. Well, I want to tell you something, that's what some people do to other people. Let's be honest here, that's what some people do. To other people. Some people have the spiritual gift of sucking the ever-loving life out of other people. All right? And here's what they usually do. They will go, they're like, it's like they, it's like a, a, a cell phone charger that, that, that is, that's, you know, that, that you try to charge. You plug it into this outlet and whenever all oh, you've sucked all the juice out of that outlet, you go to the next one and you stick in. That's what happens with people. And you know these people because they bounce. And if you don't know any of these people, you are that person. All right? Listen, they bounce around. I love you, but it's true. You, they bounce around from person to person to person to person to person. And they suck the life out of them. And they don't, give any, they don't give any kind of life, any kind of meaning to your life. Now, should we love everybody? Yeah, we should. We should love everybody. But I'll tell you something else. So I'm going to tell you something. Not everyone has the right to be in your life. 
I want you to hear that again. Not everyone has the right to be in your life. Now, let me do a caveat here because I know some people are going to say this. Let me do a caveat. I'm not talking about your husband or wife, all right? I'm being serious. You made that co- A covenant commitment is much greater than just a regular, oh, hey, let's go catch some, get some coffee, all right? I'm, a covenant commitment is something that you decided, I'm going to go into covenant with this other person before God. Totally different scenario, all right? You guys need to work it out. You with me? I'm talking about people that we allow into our lives, and for some reason we feel guilty because, well, I just need to help them. Listen, you can help people a lot of ways besides letting them suck the life out of you, all right? A lot of times what we have is we have people that get around us, and their dysfunction splashes on us. And so we walk around with splash dysfunction all over us. I have the spiritual gift of spilling food on my shirt. If I buy a new shirt, a grease stain will be on the front somewhere within the first week. My wife has become a professional at either throwing my shirt away or getting the grease stain out, one or the other. But that's usually what happens after the first week. And that's what happens with other people. They, they literally do that with us. We need, we need life-giving. I want you to get life-giving relationships. Life-giving relationships. We go year after year after year being the same person oftentimes and not becoming who God created you to be because you allow people, you allow people that have always known you and all they know is who you were when you were 15 and they think you're stuck in that area and they don't see what God's done in your life and they treat you that way. We have to disconnect from some of those people. I'm going to be real transparent with you and tell you, I had to move from Tennessee for this reason. I was born and raised in Jackson, Tennessee, and people knew who I was. Now, listen, I've had my friends say, oh, of course you were going to be a pastor. I, I always saw that. But there was a lot of other friends that I was stuck with, and they weren't wanting to move. They weren't wanting to experience who, what, the fullness that God had for them. They're, they weren't wanting to go get what God had for them. And after a while, I had to say, you know what? Either I'm going to have to disconnect and move, or I'm just going to stay where I've been, and I'm going to stay the same person I've always been, and I'm never going to grow anywhere past this. And I had to make a bold step and say, you know what? I'm stepping out. The same is true for planting this church. I had lots of people, some of you maybe, even said, I don't know if you can do this. And I was like, well, I don't know if I can do it either, but let's go for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't I have no idea. Let's see what we can do here. You know, someone asked me, someone said, do you really think you can carry a church? And I was like, I don't know. I have no idea if I can do it or not. But let's go for it and let's see what's going on. Because I knew that what God, the next step God had for me, he would be there with me. He would provide for me. And here's the crazy thing. He brought new friends. How crazy is that? When I moved to Georgia, now some of you guys are kind of weird, but he brought new friends, new friends who I love, new friends who mean more to me than anybody that that anybody besides my family means to me in Tennessee. And I want to tell you something, y'all, this life-giving, life-giving relationships, this starts at home. This This starts at home. It starts with husbands and with wives and with children. It starts with at home. It really does. Here's the final thing I want you guys to know. Everyone and this is important. Everyone can't go where God is taking you. I want you to hear that. Everyone can't go where God is taking you. Everyone can't go where God is taking you. What do I mean by that? Let me tell you a story. In the Old Testament, the Israelites had been delivered 
from, from Egypt. They had been delivered from Egypt. And what should have taken about two to three days to walk, they ended up spending 40 years. And here's the reason why they spent 40 years. They spent 40 years because they were getting ready to go over into the promised land. They sent spies out, and only two spies came back and said, Hey, this is, this, we can do this. I believe in this. We can do this. All the rest of them were like, Oh my gosh, it's too hard. It's too this. It's too that. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, they were just complaining. No, no, no. We can do this. We can do this. And you know what God had to finally do? He finally had to say, Fine, let me tell you something. This whole generation, this whole generation is not going to see the promised land. They're not. This whole, as a matter of fact, the only two families that are going to see the promised land out of this generation are Joshua and Caleb. That's it. Joshua and Caleb, you guys will be leading into the promised land. The rest of you guys and whole, the whole nation, the whole generation, nope, 40 years, 40 years, none of you going to see it. Why? Well, because here's the thing. Not everybody can go where God's taking you. Because there's people that will doubt you. There's, the last thing you need, well, you, there, you need someone who's going to be honest with you guys, but you definitely don't need someone who's always doubting you all the time. Everyone needs a cheerleader. I said that last week. Everyone needs a cheerleader. Everyone needs someone. Everyone needs someone who is cheering them on. And I'll tell you something. Everyone can't go with you. Everyone can't. What does that mean? What does that look like for you? Well, you know what? And, and I'll tell you this. I'm not just talking about your friends. You know, I want you to honor your mother and your father but for me, for me, especially my dad, he really couldn't go with me where, where, I, where I was headed. I love him, and, and I, I did. He passed away when, when, right before I moved down here. He passed away, and I loved him dearly. And he supported me, but he never understood what I was doing. He never did. Now, he understood my brothers. They were both in business, but he never understood me. And that's okay. That He, he accepted me, but I knew that he was not going to be part, a big part of the journey I was have going forward. Not everybody can go with you. Your sister who's always doubting you and who always is negative towards you, she may not, you need to love her and you need to enjoy the Thanksgiving dinner with her, okay? You can go and, and be Jesus and say, yeah, honey, I love it. Oh, yeah, that's really awesome. And go right back to your life that God has you on, okay? Encourage, be a minister to them. You, I want you to hear this. You decide how close people get to you. I want to say that again. You decide how close people get to you. You don't have to allow every Tom, Dick, and Harry to come up and to be close to you. You don't. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, that's not God's plan. God's plan is, is for you to have a blanket of people who you love and you minister to, and then they go back to their life. Jesus did that. Jesus, the man who, who, who literally sh- turned the world upside down. He had 12 buddies and a few friends, and that's about it. That's what he had. That's what he had, 12. I mean, think about that. He could have gotten like 12 and then multiplied these people out and like got to know all these people and had this huge mega church going on. He didn't do any of that. He said, nope, I'll take the 12. Why is that? Because meaningful relationships happen, and here's a plug, in small groups. They do. Meaningful relations happen in small groups. You deepen yourself in small groups, and we have a need for that. But not everyone, has, not everyone has the right to be in your life. Not everybody does. Now, if you're a teenager sitting here, don't you go home and say, Mama, Pastor Barry said I ain't got to be in your life. Well, guess what? If they're paying your bills and you're eating their, their meals, you're in their life, whether you like it or not. All right? But the truth of the matter is, is that when God lays out before you what he wants you to do, you need to be obedient to that. You need to be obedient to what God wants you to do. And not everyone 
Not everyone is going to agree with that. My mom didn't want me to move to, to Georgia. She listens to this every Sunday. She's going to say, well, I didn't care. Yeah, you did, Mom. You know you didn't want me to move to Georgia. She'll laugh at that later on. But, but literally, she didn't want me to move to Georgia. She wanted me to stay right where I was. My brothers didn't understand either. They didn't. They didn't understand. Now, I'm still close to all of them. I love my mom. love my brother. Still close to them. Talk to my brothers almost every day. Talk to my mom a couple times a week. But maybe once a week, Mom. But anyway... I do, I do that. I'm so close to them. But the truth of the matter is, is that, and people always ask me, they're like, hey, when Blake graduates high school, are you moving back to Tennessee? And I'm like, no, I know I'm actually not, unless you guys want me to, I get fired or whatever. But no, I'm pretty much going to stay here. Why is that? Well, because my family's here. I mean, this is my family. I mean, as dysfunctional as y'all are, you're my family, right? I mean, that's just the truth. Not everyone, not everyone can go with you. Not everyone is going to take that trip. Some people are going to be left behind, not in a negative way, you don't have to go and say, well, Pastor Mary said, I'm, I'm, you're off. You don't have to do that. You can love them. You can be nice to them. But here's the truth. The truth is not everybody can go with you, man. Not everybody can go where you're going. If God's got you on a bigger plane, if God's got you on a bigger path, the only thing those people are going to do is they're going to hold you back. I told you this, and I'll end with this. I say this a lot to you guys. There's two people in life. There's anchors and there's propellers. And anchors are people that hold. What an anchor does, uh, when it works right, um, I, can never, I can never get mine to work right. But when it works right, it keeps you solid right where you are, and you don't move. You don't move. You stay right where you are. But how a propeller works is, is that it moves you forward and pushes you forward and takes you forward. And you grow, and you move forward. And that's what kind of people you want in your life. You don't want a bunch of anchors in your life. You want propellers in your life. And that's what I want to tell you guys today. Deepen your relationships. Deepen your relationships. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for the fact that you created us to need and want and desire deep relationships. Thank you so much, God, that you, that you loved us enough not to leave us by ourselves. You loved us enough to say, you know what? No, we, man doesn't need to be alone. They don't need to be alone. He, he needs someone there with him. He needs someone there with him because I made him for a relationship, not only with me, but for other people. And so, God, I pray that you would, in all your wisdom, give us wisdom as we connect with you, as we connect with you through your power source, that you would light up our life and that you would bring other people, that you would bring other people that would be, that would be propellers for us, not anchors, but propellers for us that would push us forward. God, we know that not everyone can go with us. Not everyone's going to make the trip that you're taking us on. God, we pray that you would let us have great attitudes toward those people, but also look expectantly for new people. And I pray that you would do a mighty and incredible great work as as we literally look to you as our provision and our strength and our guide. God, I'm so thankful for all the people that are here, for them being attentive, and I'm thankful that you would, God, that you would just work in their life. I ask you right now, Lord, that if there's people here who don't know you, if there's people here that walked in with burdens on their heart, I ask you to just prompt them during this last worship song that they would come forward and that they would literally hit the altar and, and to have other people come around them and to support them and encourage them and be prayed over. I pray that you would let the, the people here have their hearts moved and that they, wouldn't, that they wouldn't be the same when they left, that they would change from the inside out, that they wouldn't come in, 
put their baggage down, pick up their baggage and walk back out, but that they would leave it here for you at the altar. Lord, I just pray that you would do this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand up and let's sing a final worship song.